Well, hello, Water of Life family. We are so excited you're joining us online this weekend. We're so happy to be together, to worship together, to learn together. If you don't know me, my name is Julianne, and I oversee our global outreach department here at Water of Life. And for those of you in our Facebook platform or our live stream pl platform, you know we have our online hosts and our live pastors available to connect with you, to pray with you. So we would love for you to reach out to them if you need anything, have any questions. We love to engage with you. So even now you can say hello, where you're watching from. We know many of you are watching all over the world and so we're so glad you're here with us for service this weekend. Well, I have a few things I would like to share with us for our church family. And the first one is we are running fireworks booths here in Fontana. And we have one on our church campus and one on Sierra and Sierra Lakes in North Fontana. And normally those fireworks booths are staffed by our mission team members who are going overseas raising money for their teams. But because our teams are on pause right now, we have people serving in those booths to raise money for our partners overseas. Many of them are suffering greatly because of COVID. And we we are raising money to be able to send to them. So if you're considering buying fireworks this year, we would love for you to patronize our fireworks booth at one of those two locations, which will be open until the 4th of July. Well, the second thing that we are uh, celebrating this weekend and raising awareness for is Refugee Weekend. And this is a special time for our church to highlight the cause of refugees and raise awareness and commit to praying. And this weekend, we are uh, sharing just a few pieces of information about the many, many refugees all over the world. There are over 70 million refugees, and a refugee is a person who is forcibly moved from their home because of various different reasons. Many of them young women, children who are vulnerable, are easily exploited, and Water of Life here, we have a heart to reach those people. And we work with many refugees around the world when we send mission teams to Thailand, to Lebanon, and to Uganda. And uh, as, as sad as, and difficult as those statistics are, there is hope and we want to create awareness for uh, people who are ministering to refugees. So one thing we are hoping this weekend is that you'll commit to praying for refugees this week. And one way you can do that is by texting the word refugee to the number 818. 818 and you'll receive a link back which will give you a prayer guide for the week of things you can be praying for for refugees and uh, we, we encourage you think about that uh, commit to praying this week for refugees there's so many of them around the world and we want to try to help and do our part the other way you can support refugees this uh, weekend is by giving blood. We are hosting a blood drive on our campus on Sunday and we still have some spots available. You do need to sign up online. Giving blood is still needed right now during COVID and it is safe and so we are uh, receiving $20 for every donation that is given and we're going to collect that money together and give it to one of our partners overseas who's working with refugees. So if that's something you're able to do, we would love to have you join us on Sunday and also they are going to be doing antibody testing for the COVID uh, disease. So if you give your blood, then they'll test, test it and tell you later um, if you have the antibodies present. So another great bonus if you are giving blood this weekend. Well, again, because it's Refugee Weekend, we are also doing the Dollar Club this weekend. And the Dollar Club, um, we are piling all our dollars together. You can give them online. And we are going to be giving it to one of our ministries, partners, and missionaries who works overseas with refugees in Uganda. And that is Pastor Glenn Totten with Paracletus Ministries. And we have a video from him this, more, this uh, weekend for you to take a look at. 
Greetings. Water of life from here in Mbefe, Uganda refugee camp. And I am so sorry I didn't have a chance to come to visit with you as I normally do this time of year because of COVID-19. Everything in Uganda here is shut down uh, and uh, has been since March. Nobody's allowed to leave the country or come into the country. But how many of you know that the kingdom of God is not shut down? And neither is the redemptive power and love of Christ to these refugees here in Mbefe camp, about 120,000 of them. God is still doing a wonderful work in caring for each one of them. You know that there are 1.2 million South Sudanese refugees here, about 120,000, as I said, in this camp here. And Paracletus has been working amongst them for the last three years to uh, provide food, to provide educational materials, to provide healing for the trauma they've suffered because of the war, and lately the last three months to provide the COVID-19 prevention kits that we have for them. There are 70.8 70 million refugees in the world today, and these refugees here are like them. They have fled their country because of war that is taking place in South Sudan to come here to be safe until there is peace in South Sudan. And they have um, lived in, as you can see, uh, inadequate housing with inadequate food and inadequate water sometimes even and inadequate education. And so as you look at these faces of these children, some of these have seen their parents killed in front of them. Some of these have experienced rape because of a weapon of war. And so as you look at these faces, I want you to see the face of Jesus. And as you see the face of Jesus, hear his words that you will one day hear from him. Whatever you did to these the least, you did to me. Well, Pastor Glenn and his ministry he's running is a wonderful way to support, again, the Dollar Club. So get your dollar, pay it online, and let's look together and see how our dollars can make a difference um, in the future. Well, uh, again, if you're online, we are uh, waiting, available to pray for you, and the chat pastors are probably posting the ways that you can receive prayer if you want it, this service, and we would love the opportunity to pray with you. So as we move into worship this weekend, I want to encourage you to take a moment and put aside your distractions, maybe silence any devices, pause, maybe take a deep breath, and prepare yourself to worship the King of Kings that we can worship this weekend, and to uh, glorify Him and put our hearts before Him and learn from Him. So let me pray for us this weekend. Lord, we do come and put our hearts, our lives, our minds before You and ask for Your presence to be here with us, to move in us, to teach us, to speak to us. We wanna give You our full attention, all the glory, Lord, we want to give it to you. So we invite you into whatever space we're in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Hey, Water of Life, we're so excited to be with you guys this weekend. It feels good to be here in person. And if you're watching online, we're so excited to worship with you guys as well. So uh, let's stand and sing together. When night has fallen, when fear is 
overwhelmed and I have to be reminded of his promises. And I think church that in circumstances like the ones we're in and in our own personal journey and circumstances, we need to remind our heart that those promises are, are present. They weren't spoken thousands of years ago and expired, but they're for you as children of God that his word does not return void. He says, my word will accomplish what I send it out to do, amen? So when we sing this, let it wash over your heart with truth that he is faithful, that his promises are for you. And they are moving on your behalf right now. Let's sing this. I will rest in your promises, my confidence. Is your faithfulness, so I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness, and I will rest.
Touch our hearts. Speak to us now, Jesus. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. You are here, you're moving in our 
Jesus, would you just remind us who you are today? Lord, that you don't cast a shifting shadow, you don't change, that your character is constant and that it's good. Father, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, Father, whether we're thriving or whether we're struggling to believe those promises that you speak to us, I pray that you would just remind us of the constant goodness of your character and your love. Lord, that your love would be tangible. Whether we're watching online or whether we're here in the building, that you would meet us exactly where we're at, Jesus. And that you would just speak that truth over us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us this weekend. Let's prepare our hearts for the message. Hey, Water of Life, it is so good to be with you guys this weekend. My name is Pastor Marcus. I am one of the pastors on staff here. I work uh, specifically with our young adults and our student ministries in our next-gen department. But um, I am excited to be with you guys this weekend as your speaker. This doesn't happen often. This is a, a treat for me, and I'm super blessed that Pastor Dan gave me the opportunity to come and share this weekend. In week two of our new series called Sustaining Your Soul in Difficult Days. And I'm gonna get into that in just a little bit, but before I do, wanna share a little bit about who I am and how long I've been around this this amazing church. Um, I, you know, I, I come and host from time to time. You might have seen me, you may have seen me before. You know, COVID hit and we weren't able to be in person, but um, you know, a little bit about me. I, I am on staff with our students. Um, I have the greatest pleasure in the world of working with the best people in the world, which is our junior high and high school students, and recently um, have been getting, uh, beginning to work with our young adult community as well, and I love Love, love working with NextGen. So I've been on staff for about eight years, been a pastor for almost three, and I've been a part of Water of Life for almost 21 years now, which is crazy. I said this last time, but if you have a teenager that hates coming to church, puts the AirPods in, is watching YouTube videos all day, and you're like, gosh, are they ever gonna get it? Before YouTube was a thing, I was one of those guys that hated coming to church, hated being a part of it, but God got a hold of my heart and has uh, done amazing things in these past 10 years of my life. And um, most recently, some, some really cool life changes taking place. Last year, when I came and spoke uh, during Next Gen Week, and I talked about how my, my brother-in-law and my sister had just gotten married a year prior. There's a lot of change in our family. Um, how I was dating my girlfriend for just over a year at the time. And six months after that, I proposed to her. We got engaged in October. And almost four months ago, in March, March 8th, we got married. I am a married man now. It is incredible to say that. Crazy to say that. Um, these pictures look really good on the screen. I've never seen them on such a big screen before. Um, but we were so, so, so very blessed to be able to have been able to get married. 
Uh, we got uh, married March 8th. We left for our honeymoon on March 10th. And then March 11th, it felt like the world fell apart. Um, and I, I can guarantee you this, I promise you, we will never leave the country again <laughs> because apparently when we leave the country, things just fall apart. Um, we left and we're on our honeymoon and COVID uh, became a really, really big thing uh, taking place um, in the States. Um, we started getting notifications on our phones, seeing things on social media, people saying, don't come back, stay, stay on your honeymoon forever. Um, and we came home to a very, very different world. Uh, but we know that we were incredibly blessed uh, to be able to have gotten married. We know a lot of friends that had to postpone weddings and, and even cancel them and you know, push them back to a later date. So for those of you that have, we're praying for you, a heart's break for you, and we love you guys very much. But we have, um, we're, we're very, very blessed in these past few months. A lot of people have asked me, like, hey, are you guys tired? of each other yet? You've been quarantined together for three months, which I think is just like a weird question. I'm like, no, I love being married to my best friend. It's the greatest, greatest privilege. Um, married life is awesome. It was, it was weird that we started marriage working across from each other for three months straight, but it was um, a blessing, uh, absolute, absolute blessing. Married life's awesome. We had a Nerf gun war the other night. We have cereal for dinner sometimes. It's just, it's great. I love being, <laughs> I love being married to my best friend, um, and it's a huge, huge privilege to call her my wife. Um, but enough about me. We're going to jump into week two of our series this week. And last week, Pastor Dan kicked off our series talking about um, whether or not we are being transformed or conformed to the culture around us. And the main thread for this entire series is John 10.10, 10, where Jesus is talking about how the enemy has come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. And, and what other things, other than the things that are most valuable to you, um, the, most things, the things most important to you, those are the things he's coming to kill. Those are the things he's coming to destroy. Those things in your life, in your mind, in your heart that have the ability to enact change in your life and in the lives around you. Those are the things he's coming to fo be focused on. But Jesus has come to give you life and life in abundance. And we believe that even more so for our emotional life, for our emotional health, for our thoughts, for our emotions, our feelings. I know we don't talk about that a whole, uh, a whole bunch um, in the church, not just here, but in you know, Big C Church. Um, we believe that Jesus has life and life in abundance for us and that we, when we fully align ourselves with him, within our thoughts, within our minds, within our emotions, our hearts, our souls, that we can experience that abundant life that he has planned for us. And like I said, pastor focused last week on Romans chapter 12, where Paul is writing to the Romans saying, are you being uh, conformed to the world around you, to the habits, to the pace, to the standards, the values of the world around you, or are you being transformed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit through the renewing of your mind, through the renewing of your thinking? And last week, some of the questions he asked was, who sets the pace for your life? Is it the world around you? Is it, is it you know, the news outlet that you ascribe to? Is it you know, your, your work, uh, you know, the culture that you live in? Or, or is the pace being set by Jesus, the one that you, you, you claim to follow, you claim to love? Who, who sets the pace and the tone for your life? And today, this week, I want to talk about our thoughts. I wanna talk about our minds. I wanna talk about the battle that is taking place in our minds and in our thoughts. And whether you know it or not, there's a battle taking place. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to paint this big, you know, Narnia or Lord of the Rings-like picture of what's taking place in your, in your mind. But I do say that to, to help us understand the severity of what takes place in our mind, the impact that it has. 
Now, before I get into my notes and some thoughts that I have, I want to just put a disclaimer out there. I know that so many of you, my, some friends, maybe some of you that are watching this, um, have been clinically diagnosed with you know, chemical imbalance, or you have been clinically diagnosed with a mental health condition like, uh, you know, like severe anxiety or depression or OCD or bipolar or whatever it may be. And um, at no point through this message, at no point during this, do I want to minimize your journey, minimize your struggle, or try and provide an alternative for what it is that you're already partaking in. So if you go to a psychologist, if you're in therapy and they've prescribed medication to help you or different practices to help you, please do not take this message as a replacement for what you're doing, more as an addition of how we can approach our thoughts and our feelings spiritually uh, from a biblical standpoint. But let us, I just wanted you to know, at no point am I trying to minimize your struggle, minimize the thing that you have been working with, but I do, or working through. But I do believe that God has a will for us in this. And for the rest of us that have not been clinically diagnosed or have not been seeking help for such a long time, that there are some things here that we can wrestle with, that we can, that we can partake in because this isn't something for us to be passive in. This isn't something for us to just sit on the, on the sidelines and wait for a fix to come our way. But there is a battle taking place between God's truth about you and, and the enemy's lies to you. And it's taking place in your mind. And it's important for us to talk about our thoughts. Why? Why is it important for us to talk about our feelings, about the emotions that we think, or the things that we think? Because our thinking, our thoughts turn into actions. Our actions turn into behaviors and habits. And then our habits and behaviors turn into a lifestyle. And 20, 30 years from now, you may be living a certain way, doing certain things that you didn't have to do because of something you didn't take care of, or you didn't take cap captive earlier in your life. And it's never too late to start approaching your thoughts, approaching your thought life, your emotions uh, from a, a, an active standpoint. And we want to do that today, but not just talk about your thoughts, but talk about where they come from. Now, I am not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional in that field, so, and I do not try to uh, project that I am. And I'm not gonna try and go deep into your, your childhood trauma or touch your, your past wounds or try and figure out the root, but I do think that we believe sources. We believe sources that are the sources of our thoughts that are not biblically founded, that are not Jesus, that are not Holy Spirit, that are trying to renew your mind and transform you. We believe certain sources that need to be, uh, need to be validated or invalidated, and we need to talk about why we believe the things that we believe and how the things that we believe impact our life. Because everything we think, at one way or another, impacts how you and I live our lives. And if we're not aware of the source, if we're not aware of why we believe what we believe and where it comes from, we start to believe things about ourselves, about people, about Jesus, that are not true. Like, do you know where your thoughts come from? Like, I'm... I'm <laughs> On a, on a funny side, like, I think about the things that we were taught or seen or saw as a kid. Um, you know, like, I still to this day cannot go swimming unless I've waited 45 minutes after eating. Like, it's this thing that I remember when I would go to barbecues or birthday parties or whatever it is, I would have to sit there. I'm like, all right, scarf down my food. I'm done. I'm ready. And it was like, nope, 45 minutes, hour at least. Not 45 minutes or 44 minutes because if you do, you're in trouble. Like it's this thing that's still in there from my childhood that I know I'm not going to like, I might get a stomach ache, but it's not going to drastically impact my life, right? But it's something I remember from my childhood and it's something that has made its way into my, into my adulthood. Or even the things that I would watch as a kid that, that impacted the way that I thought my life would play out. 
Like I would watch these movies and TV shows. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be married by 22. I'm going to have a kid by 25. I'm going to make my first million by 28. And I'm going to retire by 35. Your boy just got married at 27. <laughs> just moved out of his parents' home. Things did not play out the way that I thought that they would play out. But because of what I watched, because of what I believed and thought, it, it impacted the way that I thought my life would play out. And until I was able to surrender that to Jesus and surrender those things, nothing really made sense to me. And now these are silly examples, but what are the things you believe about yourself that you shouldn't be believing about yourself? What are the things that you have believed about your family or about your culture, your country, or the trajectory of your life, or your God that are not of Jesus, that don't come from him? There is a battle taking place there's a battle taking place in our lives, and we need to be active in this. Before uh, we jump into my points, I want to read our scripture today together. Um, so if you are watching from the Upland campus, if you're watching online in Townsville, if you're watching online anywhere, I see you guys in the chat host a bunch of the times. So crazy to see how God has kept us connected in a crazy season like this. But I want us to read this together. So from the comfort of your home or from whatever campus you are at, let us read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 together. And it says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. We're going to unpack that in a second. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're going to unpack that in just a second. But before we do, I'm gonna ask you this question. Are you in control of your thoughts or are your thoughts in control of you? I'm gonna say that again. Are you in control of your thoughts through the authority given to you by Jesus Christ, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, submitting them to him, submitting them to obedience to Jesus, or are your thoughts in control of you? I wanna unpack that just a little bit today. Let's, let's break down uh, 2 Corinthians 10 just a little bit. It says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war or uh, with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have powerful, or in the Greek, it's theos, this God, divine, endowed power that we have to tear down strongholds. We're destroying arguments or reasonings or every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God, taking captive. And in, in the, the picture that comes with this word is to, to take something captive and to put it into a cage, to make it surrender to the authority that you have. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Many of us would say that we feel like our thoughts are in control of us. Like you have no control over what you think, when you think it, how often you think it, whatever. And I understand that because I, I can relate to that. There's thoughts that I think sometimes that make me feel like a disgusting human, a terrible person. I'm like, that's not me. That's not from Jesus. I know that's not my heart. God, would you, would you change something? And I don't have control over how often these thoughts come into my mind, and I'm sure you feel the same. But if you, even if you don't have control over what you think, you can have control over the power it has in your life. You may not have control over how often what you think or how often you think it, but you can have control through the, the, the divine theos power from God, through his Holy Spirit, you can have control over the power that it has in yours by taking every thought captive. 
in the picture in that is to almost take, to take this thought and like an animal to put it into a cage, to take control of it. Like this picture that I have in my mind is you have, it's like your mind is a living room and you have 20 dogs and they're all running around chaotic. Some are, you know, doing something on the carpet. Someone's ripping up a cushion and you're like, this is normal, right? Like this is normal, isn't it? No, it's not. It's, it doesn't have to be that way. Your thoughts don't have to run rampant through your mind. Now, like I said earlier, if there's, if there's a chemical imbalance and you have to take medication to, to, to help that and to rectify that, there's, that's a different conversation. But for most of us, there's something we can do. There's things that we can proactively do to set ourselves up for success in this arena. That we can take these thoughts captive. We can kennel train our thoughts, so to speak, and, and put them under the authority, the rightful authority that is Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of the times, a lot of the times, these thoughts have, um, they are like taking thoughts captive is a reactive thing. You do it in the moment, and you're like, whoa, I don't know where that came from, but I submit that to Jesus. Jesus, if that's you, would you validate it? Would you invalidate it? If it's not from you, would you send it back to the pit of hell where it came from? It's chaotic. It's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. It's anxious. I don't, I don't ascribe to it. I don't believe it. You uproot it before it ever, ever happens, and that's something we do reactively in the moment a lot of the time. But there's things proactively that we can do. There's things that we can do to set ourselves up for success in this area so that we don't have to be chasing down every random thought running through your living room of your brain, but we can actually be diligent and vigilant in how we set ourselves up when it comes to our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And I have a couple of actions or five actions or five strategies to win the battle um, in our mind, win the war in your mind, so to speak, if you want some terminology. But First one is this, is we cannot believe everything you think. You can't believe, I can't believe every thought that I think to be as fact. Or in better, better terms, we need to fact check ourselves. I went to college, I you know, went to high school, and if I ever just went to Wikipedia and read anything that was there and I submitted it as a source in my paper, I would have failed, right? We can't believe everything that we think. And so many of us trust ourselves way too much and believe any thought that comes into our mind to be true. And then those thoughts make their way into our actions and make their way into our lifestyle. And we, we wonder why our life is so chaotic because we're believing chaotic thoughts, chaotic emotions and feelings. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And too often, we believe everything that we think to be true. And unless you are yielded to Jesus, like Pastor Dan would say, unless you are surrendered to Jesus and he has authority in your mind, it is difficult to believe everything that's there. It's, and I see this on Facebook all the time. I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but there's too many people that read clickbait or find an article and we're like, wow, this has to be true. And instead of checking the source of it, checking the facts, we just repost it and send it out for everyone else to believe and we create chaos and we create emotion that is unfounded. And instead of fact-checking the things that we're seeing or thinking or feeling, we believe them and we run with them as truth. Friends, we cannot believe everything we think. How often do you take your thoughts to prayer? How often do you take your thought and say, Jesus, is this you? How often do you take your thoughts to scripture and validate them or invalidate them as falsity? How, how often, how diligent are you about the thoughts that you believe, taking them to Jesus? And not saying like, oh gosh, am I gonna have Chick-fil-A or in and out Lord, help me. Like, no, don't, don't over-spiritualize it. But to say, God, this thought, this thought feels anxious. 
And not just uncomfortable, because there's a difference between uncomfortable and anxious. But Lord, it feels anxious. Is this of you? Because if it's not, let me go to your scripture and see if it's from you. Friends, we can't believe everything that we think. So number two, we need to guard our mind, or better yet, keep out the garbage. I remember when I was younger, I would come home from school, and uh, I would want to watch the TV shows my friends are watching. They're watching The Simpsons. They're watching, I mean, this is like garbage, okay? Like garbage, like Jerry Springer show or whatever. I'm like, this is terrible. But I was a kid. I was like, my friends are watching it. But my mom would say the same thing all the time. Garbage in, garbage out. I'm sure my mom's not the only one to say that. <laughs> I'm sure not, I'm not alone in that. But, and we, we say that a lot of the times. We know that if we take in garbage, we take in things that are not of Jesus, that, that at one point or another, they make their way out of us. But what we don't talk about is what garbage does when it's in our minds. What the little tweaks and alterations that take place when we watch things or we read things or we see certain things that don't align with Christ. What you watch, what you read, what you listen to, these are all little alterations to the the way that you think, the way that you see the world. They change your worldview. And if you were not intentional about your thoughts, if you were not intentional about what you intake from the world, I guarantee you that the enemy is. And I'm not just talking about the things that are explicitly, you know, garbage, like the video games that are rated M or the R's or whatever, you know, for the parents that are trying to monitor this for your children. But what about for yourselves? What about the news outlets that you watch? What about about keeping Fox News or CNN or MSNBC on repeat all day in the background like white noise as you eat dinner? Do you think that that breeds peace in your home? Do you think that it breeds chaos or peace? Because I feel like with all that's taking place in the world, it breeds more chaos than peace. Now the Bible talks about, in Philippians 4, it says this, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, think about these things because this is what leads us to God's peace that surpasses all understanding. Now I'm not saying shelter yourself from the world, especially right now with what's taking place in our world. We can't uh, insulate our bubble. We can't keep ourselves safe from everything that's taking place. We need to be diligent in taking in and seeing what is taking place in our world so that we're active parts of it, so that we're representatives of Jesus in it. But, but what I'm talking about is this, is are we, are we drawn to disaster? Are you addicted to, to drama so much that you will find a comment strand and like, oh, I'm gonna read everything and just create anxiety within me? Or do you just like love watching and keeping up with the Kardashians, not because it's entertaining, but because it makes you feel better about yourself? I'm gonna leave that there. We need to be <laughs> diligent about what we take in because if we're not, the enemy will be. So number two, let's guard your mind. Uh, number one, well, so number one, don't believe everything you think. You need to fact check your feelings, fact check your, your, your thoughts. Number two, guard your mind, keep out the garbage. Number three, be a learner, be a lifelong learner. And this takes different forms. Number one, of Jesus. If you call yourself his disciple, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus and he is your Messiah, he is your rabbi, in Hebrew terms, that would mean that you ascribe yourself to everything that he does. You follow his footsteps. You check the way that he lives his life. You want to follow what he does. And so many of us think we just said yes to Jesus and then the blessing flows our way. But no, you need to align yourself with his standards, with his value, live his values, live your life at his pace not yours. We need to constantly be learning from him, constantly going to scripture, seeing how did Jesus handle these situations? How did Jesus handle chaos? How did Jesus handle injustice? How did Jesus handle um, you know, death? How did Jesus handle everything? I wanna learn from him. Number two, who are the people in your life that are mentoring you? 
Who are the people in your life that are calling you out graciously and compassionately, but calling you out and, and holding you to a higher standard? Who are the people in your life that are consistently pointing you to Jesus? I know some of us don't come from, from good family situations, and it's not easy for us to just be like, uh, they're the least <laughs> tragic of all the people I know, and I'm not saying that, but this is why we have things like school to ministry. It's why we have things like s- small groups, because you go into an environment, and you're, you're in an environment that breeds accountability, and accountability breeds relationship. Who are the people that you are learning from constantly? I know, and I'm, I'm blessed to have this, but I know that if I were to call my family, any of my siblings, if I were to call any of my close core friends that I walk through life with, the guys that stand, stood up there with me on my wedding day, if I were to call my mentor, Dan Stewart, if I were to call people, that they would be the ones mentoring me and guiding me. Who are the people in your life that you're learning from? And the third person, third uh, category of this is you need to be learning from yourself. What does that mean? It means that if you have not... Um, Uh, contemplated the idea of therapy, I would challenge you and urge you to do so. Because our culture needs to destigmatize the the idea of going into counseling, that it's not just something for people whose lives are falling apart, but really those that want to build up their life and be set and be ready for things like a pandemic, for things like that, that, that breed chaos in your life, for things, for seasons like this, in difficult days that you don't have to be reactive, but you can be proactive. What would, what would it be like if we looked at therapy, if we looked at counseling, rather than a, it being a punishment for bad behavior or for your life being chaotic, more as a means and a tool to set you up for difficult days like now? And I'm not being a hypocrite. I am currently in therapy. I have an appointment in two weeks. <laughs> like, I've been in counseling, not because my life's falling apart, but because I don't want it to. Not that it's the end all be all, but if you can find a healthy balance of ascribing yourself to Jesus, walking with him in all ways, having people in your life to mentor you, counsel you, walk with you, and then submitting yourself to the idea that there's someone out there that can help you learn from your past mistakes, learn from your past grievances, learn from your past tragedy, that can help you learn from yourself. We can be learners and be active and diligent when thoughts come our way. And be able to identify where is that coming from, who is that coming from, and what truth is in it. So number one, we can't believe everything we think. Number two, we need to keep the garbage out. Three, be a lifelong learner. Number four, we need to build convictions, or in in layman's terms, we need to work on our core. I am not a fan of working out. I can can tell you that. I I can definitely tell you that. I, I hate it. I went to the gym the other day. I had to reserve my time. I did all that kind of thing. And I did not enjoy it at all. But I know it's something I need to do to be healthy for myself. I enjoy being active. I love playing basketball. That's great and all. But, but working out is difficult for me. But when I started working out a couple years ago, I would just go and do all the curls, do all the upper body stuff. I wanted to look strong. But I had people that would tell me, like, it doesn't matter how strong you look. If your core is not intact, if your core is not solid, if your core is not strong, then you, regardless of how you look, you're weak. And how does this apply to us? What is, what is our core? What are the core values you fall back on in seasons like now? What are the, what are, what's, what's your core? What do you come back to? What truth do you, you run back to in a season like right now that you can bank on? For me, and it's kind of uh, ironic that I'm sharing it with this point, but I always grew up struggling with my weight. I've always, 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 always struggled with my weight. I, I grew up playing Pop Warner football um, where they would put you on teams based off your weight limit. I was a little heavy. I had baby weight until, or baby fat until I was 25, which at that point, I don't know if it's baby fat anymore, but I was told it was baby fat, so I ran with it, okay? 
I, I struggled with my weight my entire life. And from a young age, I would diet. I would you know, not eat as much just to make weight before a football game. I would starve myself. And for the longest time, I had this idea that the heavier or fatter or whatever it is, is bad, is lesser. And I'm sure people were like, what are you talking about? You're... But for me, this was something I had to wrestle with in my mind. And it wasn't until I really started to develop a core not, not physically, but spiritually about who Jesus said I was, what Jesus said was true about me, that when those thoughts came in, I knew where to go back to. I knew that my identity had nothing to do with my outside appearance, nothing to do with my outside achievement, but my identity had everything to do with something that Jesus did for me. I knew who I was in Jesus so that these thoughts, if I come back to a strong core, I don't have to be shaken and stirred about when things happen that challenge my core. I can come back to core values. I can come back to who I am, who God says he is, who God says I am, who God says I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. If we don't have a core, not based on on worldly ideology, not based on the news network that you ascribe to, but based on biblical truth. I don't know if you caught this, but every single one of my points involves the Bible. So just, you know, spoiler alert. But if we don't have a core value to fall back on, core about who Jesus says he is, who Jesus says you are, and what he says about your purpose, then when we come into seasons like this, when we come into any kind of season of difficulty, we're going to be led astray by every single thing that we think. I know this feels a little bit like fact-checking yourself, but this is, this is a little bit more proactive. You develop a strong core of who you know you are to be and who God says he is. So that when seasons come or when random thoughts come into your mind, you have something to fall back on. So my four, my four points so far. First, we need to fact-check our feelings. We need to uh, not believe everything we think. We have to be uh, diligent in keeping out garbage and guarding our mind. Number three, we need to be a lifelong learner. And number four, we have to build convictions and work on your core. And the last point, my fifth point, if you guys are taking notes, is that we need to alter our view. Alter your view. Change your perspective. Because so often our thoughts are a product of a faulty perspective. Our chaotic thoughts are a product, a byproduct of our faulty perspective. What we think of our lives says a lot about how we see God. And you may not know that. You may not think that in the moment like, oh, me thinking that I am less than is saying something about Jesus. But what you think to be true, what I think to be true, says a lot about who I think God is, what I think to be true about him. And if we have faulty perspectives, if we are generally negative, we're generally pessimistic or fatalistic, what do you think that says about your perspective of who God is? What do you think your perspective and your approach to life says about who God is and what is true about him? Because if we think that God is who he says he is in his word, like what it says in Ephesians, that when God is able to do infinitely more than we could ever ask or think, it places him in a place of authority. It places him in a place of strength. It places him back where he's supposed to be. And so many of us, have chaotic thoughts, have chaotic approaches to life because we have an altered perspective. Our problem, our thoughts, the chaos in our life is more powerful than the God that we say we believe in. And church is, coming to church is just a fix rather than you coming into community. You're trying to escape something that really can just be changed when we sit in the scriptures and we recognize who God actually is. When God is not bigger than your problems, your problems are not bigger than the power that you have. 
In 2 Corinthians 10, it says we have a divine power, divinely endowed power from God through his Holy Spirit, a theos power that we can take thoughts captive, we can take emotions captive, we can surrender it to Jesus. But if Jesus is not this all-authoritative being in your life, person that you follow, person you ascribe to, then who are you going to take your thoughts to? People, our perspective, friends, our perspective needs to be changed. So in seasons like right now, in a pandemic, when there's so much uncertainty, so much change, and I know that this has impacted so many of us in ways I can't even imagine, with jobs and family and your emotion. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been chaotic. But if we have a healthy perspective of who God is, nothing undoes that. Nothing, nothing changes that. Nothing flips that upside down. Nothing flips us upside down. I love being a part of our staff and calling you church members and just seeing how you guys are doing. So many of you saying like, we know God's in control. We know he's in control. We know he can do what he can do. And that's such an encouraging place to say, but so many of us, the second our life was changed from comfortable to uncomfortable, certain to uncertain, peaceful to chaotic, it, it, it changed our demeanor. It changed the way we approach God. What do your thoughts and the way that you approach them say about how you think God is? What do, what does the way, how does the way you're, you live your life um, um, portray the, the things you think to be true about Jesus? Because if he's the creator of the universe, if he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, not that we wouldn't be shaken by our, our thoughts and, and maybe fearful at times and struggling with things. And I'm not saying that the second you think God is who he is, that all your problems are going to go away, but it has now, that it gives you this person to go to. Because for so many of us, our problems are bigger than our God. And in seasons that are full of problems, we have no one to turn to. But if you have a perspective of Jesus being the authority, the sole authority in your life, that you can take your thoughts to, you can take your emotions to, you can take your life to, these seasons don't have to break you. Pandemics, being laid off, troubles with your kids, troubles with your parents, it doesn't, it doesn't have to break you. It may shake you, but it doesn't have to break you. So five things. We have to fact check our feelings. We have to, uh, can't believe everything we think. Number two is guard our hearts, guard your mind. Keep the trash out, keep the garbage out. Number three is be a lifelong learner of Jesus, of, your, of others, and of yourself, maybe in therapy. Number four, build convictions or work on your core in seasons that aren't crazy. And number five is alter your view and put Jesus back in the authoritative seat that he, he deserves to be on. Friends, this is, this is an authority issue. This is an authority issue. And like I said at the beginning of this, is that so many of us are not in control of our thoughts because something else is the authority in our life. And, and the authority of Jesus, and Jesus' authority is found in the word of God and the work of the Spirit. It's found in, 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 in his scripture when we can come to seasons like this and say, I constantly know who's the authority of my life. It's Jesus because I find it in his word. And I yield myself like Pastor Dan says, or I surrender myself to the work of the spirit in my life that he would come and exchange these feelings of anxiety for peace. He does that. But is Jesus the authority in your life? And then in, in a constant battle between truth and truth, how are you going to differentiate? Who's the judge that you're gonna to take to and say, is this thought true or a lie? Because I don't know. It needs to be Jesus. We need to submit ourselves to the authority that is him, that is Jesus. So I'm gonna ask that question I asked at the beginning of my message again. Are you, are you in control of your thoughts 
through the theos power given to you by Holy Spirit, submitted to obedience under Jesus Christ, or are your thoughts in control of you? Are the, the crazy you know, dogs running around in, in the living room of your brain just creating more chaos constantly and there's no break and there's no, there's no relief and there's no peace or are you in control of them saying, I'm going to train this to obey Jesus and if it is not in obedience and in alignment with him, it's going back to the pit of hell where it came from. Who's in control of your thoughts? Or who's in control of your life? Is it your thoughts or is it Jesus? To be completely honest with you guys and I'm not just saying this because I'm, preaching the message, but this, is, this has been a difficult message for me to work on, a difficult message for me to preach because this has been my biggest struggle since I've gotten married, not because of my marriage, not because of Lauren. I love, like I said, love being married, but this season of quarantine has been um, the most challenging for me emotionally in a very, very long time. I used to struggle with depression when I was younger. I I'd struggled with it when I was about in junior high but since I've been in quarantine, I have never questioned my calling more. I have never felt more insufficient as a pastor. I have never, never, and I know I'm not like, you know, Pastor Dan who's <laughs> been doing this for like 100 years. But I, and it may not be that long, but in the time that I've been doing ministry, I have never questioned my calling, my worth, my identity more than I have. I, I, I can't be with the people that I'm pastoring. I can't be in community with the people that I love. It's been, it's been daunting to me. It's it's been so difficult. And I know this season has been so difficult for so many of you as well. But for me, what's really helped is that I have uh, known that I need to fact check my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions. That in a season like this, I'm so much more susceptible to garbage and to the enemy, so I need to be even more diligent on what I'm watching and what I'm taking in and what I'm ascribing myself to or, or, or connecting myself to. Even more in this season, I need to submit myself to Jesus and learn from him and be a lifelong learner of him. I need to call my friends and pray with them and ask them to pray for me. I need to continuously go to counseling because even though my life's not falling apart, I haven't you know, broken up everything and burned down everything, I need someone to continuously help search myself and, th and say, why am I thinking this way about myself? Why am I feeling this way about my calling? Why am I feeling this way about my, my, my life? Why am I questioning so much? I need to work on my core, not just physically, because you know everyone should, but I need to work and come back to the core convictions that I have, the things that I know to be true about Jesus, that I know to be true about myself. Because in this season, I've had to run back to those so much more. And constantly, I've been challenging myself to alter my perspective, alter my view, that maybe this season didn't come to, to make me question my calling, but to redefine and, and, and reconstruct my calling and to refine it and to make it look different, that I'm gonna reach people differently than I was beforehand because I was comfortable beforehand, but now I'm uncomfortable and it's calling me to lean into, press into, rely on Jesus even more than I ever have. And so many of us today would say that Jesus does not have authority in our life and that when I, I said I'm questioning my, my calling, you're like, me too. And I said I'm questioning my identity, you're like, me too. And I said I'm questioning my worth, you're like, me too. And, and, and Jesus is the authority in my life because this has taken some time, but is he authority in your life? Are you submitted to him? And if you're not right now, that's okay, but you can't stay there. And so many of us, our thoughts and our actions are not rooted in the word of God and the work of the spirit. Jesus isn't the authority. There's more chaos than peace, and it's okay, but Jesus wants to meet you there. It's not okay to stay there. 
We have to surrender ourselves to him. We have to ask him to be the authority in our life, to be in the word of God, invite the work of the spirit and let God do something in and through us in this season that the enemy would hate to see happen. There's a battle for your mind, for your heart, for your life. And you can, be a, 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 you can be a spectator or you can be a participator. Taking every thought captive. And today is the day maybe we start to take every thought captive. Let's pray together. As I was praying for this message and preparing for this message, I just felt like God wanted to, um, there's so many of us that in the season have this, this deep fear of death and he wants to exchange it for hope of life. And for so many of us, parents have such an insecurity as a parent, an insecurity of how you are uh, leading your, your kids, your students, and he wants to exchange it for confidence in what God has given you to steward, which is their lives. And so many of us have this feeling of no purpose for our life. We're questioning our calling, but God wants to exchange it for a God-endowed divine purpose that is aligned with his kingdom, that is found in his church. That this is not the time that God is um, leaving us to be stranded, but he wants us to press into him, to exchange our thoughts of anxiety and chaos for peace and for confidence. So God, I pray for my friends, wherever they are watching from today, wherever they are connecting with this message, whenever they are seeing this message, Jesus, that you, would take your rightful place of authority in their life. God, that that throne that maybe has been vacant or has been taken by um, thoughts of anxiety and, and chaos, and God, there's no, been no place to turn to. Jesus, I pray that you would, would take that, that rightful place of authority as they submit their lives to you and open up their hearts to you, Jesus. God, I pray for those that are anxious. I pray for those that are, that are struggling so, so badly with fear. Lord, I pray that your perfect peace would guard their minds, guard their hearts. Jesus, that they would find confidence in you, that this, this message would give them some practical steps, and Lord, that they would see fruit in their life, and maybe not necessarily making it way, their, its way into how their life plays out, but the thoughts that they think, the emotions that they feel, and what they think to be true about themselves and about you. Lord, would you help them to take control, to take captive every thought and submit it to the obedience, be in obedience of Jesus. Now, we thank you that you, don't wait for us to pick ourselves up. You pick us up. You walk with us. You are available to us at all times to work in our mess. And Jesus, we pray, us messy people, we need you to walk with us and to help us with this. So may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Water of life. It's been so good to be with you guys. Love you very much and hope you have an incredible week. God bless. Well, thank you, Pastor Marcus. What a powerful and timely message and reminder for us to uh, be thoughtful about our thoughts and um, turning those things over to the Lord. And we have pastors online right now. If maybe you feel led to uh, get prayer or you want to talk about something we would love to pray with you you can call in or click that live prayer button we would be so honored to spend some time praying with you today well 
As we close our service, just a couple quick last reminders that we do have our refugee weekend this weekend. So don't forget to text in for that prayer map and contribute to the Dollar Club. And if you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can always do that at wallupdates.com where you can find all the information and current information about what's going on here at Water of Life. Well, we were so blessed to be able to spend the time with you this weekend online. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you next weekend for 4th of July when we will be having services and uh, we look forward to seeing you then. God bless you guys.